Get your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, we are in the middle Turn to Romans chapter 8. We are in the middle of a, a summer theme called the Summer of the Spirit. Now, let me explain to you what that means. We're dedicating our entire summer to three things. Can somebody tell me what they are? Three things. Introducing, experiencing, and encountering the Holy Spirit. The whole summer. We're setting it aside to learn more about him, to ask for more of him, and experience more of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, it's a first-time introduction to the Holy Spirit because you raised in a church where they didn't talk about him much. As we always say, he's that crazy uncle that, you know, shows up at family reunion and nobody really talks about that much. So uh, for some of you, it's a new introduction. For others, it's a reintroduction. I'm asking all of us, to make sure that we don't look at the Holy Spirit through the same lenses that we normally would see Him. Uh, but we really open our minds and our hearts and our eyes because I think last week will prove that the teaching, the last week the teaching changed my life as I was speaking on it. And I was raised Pentecostal, so I thought, man, I knew everything about the Holy Spirit, you know. I mean, the Holy Spirit, I could teach Him stuff about Himself because, but that is not true. I've learned so much through the study, and I think today we're going to do the same thing. Let me say something also that I said at the beginning during our prayer time. This is very important, so important that I put it in my notes today. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, He loves it. And so because He loves it, He shows up, all right? And when He shows up, different people respond different ways. When the Holy Spirit shows up in some people's lives, they're reverent, they bow their head, they cry. Other people pull a Regina and just go, come on, take your shoes off and go for it, all right? So he's going to respond. You're going to respond different ways. Two things. Don't judge anybody else by how they respond, but don't limit the Holy Spirit to how you think people should respond, okay? Have we got that? Because we are a church that believes in being a junction. We have people here that just, just are all about a lot of the Holy Spirit and people here that are still intimidated by it. And so... When we're teaching about this, the Holy Spirit is going to show up in your life. So make sure that we're being good stewards of that. Make sure that you're remembering we have guests in the house. Make sure you remember. But also make sure you remember the Holy Spirit is going to push you further than you really want to go. So you get, did I make all that clear? How about the rest? How about this side? Y'all good? How about this side? Y'all good? The other thing I want to say is this. When you begin to press in, prepare for pushback. So when you begin to say, I want more of you, Jesus, when you begin to say, I want more of you, Holy Spirit, when you begin to say, I want to get in the word more, you can get ready for pushback. How many have had things happen in your life the past two or three weeks that have just been crazy? You see what I'm talking about? And sometimes you can say that's life and that's the way it is, but sometimes it just gets cray-cray, doesn't it? And you're just like, okay, this is more than life. Something is going on. We had two of our young ladies that uh, survived a, a, an attack that could have just been just incredible. Many of you saw it on the news, and we're so glad these ladies are here today. And just, just crazy, man, what went on. Uh, people that that uh, lost jobs that shouldn't have lost jobs, and people that survived car wrecks, and people that I could just go on and on and on. And as a pastor, when you start getting multiple calls at the same time, you're like, okay, something is going on. So I want to say, I'm sorry for preaching what I'm preaching, but I'm not sorry for preaching what I'm preaching. 
How many are ready for it, though? Whatever. Let's go. All right. So the first week, we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Last week, how many love that word comforter? Isn't that nice? The Holy Spirit is a comforter. I love that. And last week, we discussed that the Holy Spirit convicts. And we found this. If you weren't here, you can read about this in John 16, 7 through 11. I would really encourage you to go listen to the podcast of this. I'm going to tell you, I went to this church pastor's conference down there, and they were asking me, you know, what, what theme we're teaching on and how was our last Sunday. And I don't hardly ever say this, but I said this to them. I said, y'all, I killed it last Sunday. I'm just going to tell you all right now, that's one of the best I've ever preached. Y'all don't have to agree. I don't care. I crushed it last Sunday. It was an incredible word. For me, it was so good that I went home, replayed it, and amen myself. I really, I went back through my notes. I went through the whole thing. I have a feeling there's some books going to come out of some of this stuff. So, man, just go back, go listen to it, because I really believe it will impact your life. When you start understanding that when the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts, that first of all, it convicts of sin, And most of the time we're like, oh, but it says this, the sin is unbelief. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of not believing that Jesus is good enough and big enough. Not convicting you of your bad sins, but he convicts you. You don't believe that Jesus can take care of that? That's what the Holy Spirit convicts you of. The second thing he convicts us of is righteousness. And righteous, oh man, I'm not righteous. But he says this, I'm convicting you of righteousness to remind you you have been made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So instead of the Holy Spirit saying, you're not right enough, the Holy Spirit says, you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit convicts us of the coming judgment. Everybody say judgment. Conviction. Judgment. But he says the judgment is this. The ruler of this world has already been judged. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you of judgment, what he's saying is, why are you worried about this? The devil has already been judged and condemned. So I was raised all my life thinking the Holy Spirit was, it gave you power, but also it kept you in line. You better stay in line. You better not do that, convicting you. But what really happens, the Holy Spirit convicts us to believe in Jesus, convicts us that the price is paid, and convicts us that Satan is a failure. How many want some of that conviction in your life? All right, now let me ask y'all something. Did y'all give it all out when the McCreary sisters are here? Right? Can y'all help me out today? Okay. All of our guests, we're glad you're here. We're a church that believes in response. We believe in a manning. We believe in having a blast. Give me a little bit more monitor right here, Mr. Rycroft. Thank you. Today, so we've talked about the Holy Spirit as a comforter. The Holy Spirit convicts. Today, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit confirms. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. If you have never read Romans 8, read it. And then you need to read it in about 18 different translations. Matter of fact, I would say if you're going to master a scripture in the chapter in the Bible, Romans 8 should be one of those ones that you master. Romans 8 and Romans 12, incredible chapters. So if you're wondering where to start reading, just start with Romans 8 and just get ready to have your mind blown. Romans chapter 8. We're going to go to verse 14. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And we're going to be getting to this passage of Scripture later on. But verse 16 is the one that I really want to focus on this morning. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The New Living Translation says, the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm. How many like affirmation? To affirm that we are children of God. The NIV says, the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So I want you to picture this as a court of law. How many of y'all like watching those police shows and law shows and you think you know the legal system just because you watched it, right? If you ever get arrested, you know you're going to pull out some of that stuff. He tests the Holy Spirit comes into our life as another witness and shows up on the scene and testifies according to the story that we are children of God. Now let me backtrack and let me explain why this is so important. We, we love the whole thing. I really have focused a lot on the Spirit Himself and I focus on I'm a child of God. But something I never really studied a lot was that it bears witness with our spirit. Everybody just touch your heart like this and say, my spirit. I want to talk, so we're talking about the spirit of God, but before we can really talk about the spirit of God, I need to talk about your spirit for just a moment, all right? Your spirit. Our spirit came from God, Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, And the Spirit returns to God who gave it. John 3 and 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Flesh will never be spirit, and spirit will never be flesh. You understand that? They're always going to be against each other. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about a thing called the law of the Spirit. And I can't wait to get into that with you and really discussing what it means to operate in the law of the Spirit. But it really works like this. The Bible says that man is a threefold being. In one body, we have body, soul, and spirit, right? The flesh part of you only wants flesh. It wants more flesh, more flesh, more flesh, right? It thinks fleshly. It speaks fleshly. Everything it is is about the flesh. You are never going to be a better you. You're always going to be bad. Your flesh. Paul said, in me there is no good thing. That is in my flesh. He said, there is no good thing. All right? On this hand, you have the spirit which came from, right? And man, God breathed in the man, and man and suddenly becomes this living being. Your spirit is always good, never bad. Your spirit will never be flesh, just like your flesh will never be spirit. Are you with me? When you die, your spirit is returning back to God who gave it. 
No matter what you've done, your spirit is going back to God. It's like God's going to, he breathed out, and he's breathing back in. And every living spirit is going back to God. Your flesh is going where? Back to the dirt from whence it came, right? Guess where your soul goes? Whichever one it's attached to. Just a simple, that makes it all simple. So your soul is in the middle. And the old Indian chief said, you got two dogs and you got a good one and a bad one. And the young man said, which one's going to win? He said, whichever one you feed the most. So if you have confessed Jesus Christ in your life, you believe him with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. When that spirit goes back to God, guess who's going with it? That soul. But if you're a carnal man or woman and you have not turned your life over to Jesus Christ, when you get buried, guess where your soul is going? Now, I'm not a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. I just like it because it's simple. It's just, okay, I got it. I figured it out now. To be carnally minded is death. Just death. Your soul is just, that's it's going to be. But your spirit is going back to God. So in other words, that thing in you that's always saying, don't do that, do that, do this, come on, you can do this. That's that spirit in you that's speaking to your conscience saying, come on, come on, we can do this. But here's what happens. Because spirit speaks spirit and flesh speaks flesh, our flesh is just surrounded by more flesh. And so what happens is you and I listen to the flesh and the world and all the stuff around us, right? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Oh, you're so good. You're amazing. You're incredible. And we just listen to it and listen to it. And so over time, our spirit just gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And it's just yelling and it's screaming. It's trying to say, no, don't do that. Don't believe that. You can do it. Go, let's go. It's trying. Oh, the spirit, that thing that's in you that's God is trying to do it. You know why? Number one, write this down. They'll bring it on the screens. Number one, your spirit knows who you are. Because your spirit, which came from God, heard what God spoke over you. Your spirit, the Bible says, Jeremiah says this, Before I formed you in your womb, your mama's womb, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. Guess who heard that? Your spirit. It heard it. And so even as a little child, that little baby knows what it's called to do. That spirit in it. Just, oh, come on, we can do this. But as it grows and grows and the soul begins to take over and the flesh begins to take over and that spirit gets quieter and quieter and all it hears is the voice of your voice, that flesh that's saying, Ugh. and the people that are all around the world systems and then the enemy, man, the devil comes on top of that speaking those things. Because that is really the enemy's only course of action is to attack the credibility of the witness. Write that down. The enemy's greatest course of action is to attack the credibility of the witness. And so what the enemy always tells you, don't listen to that, don't listen to that. That thing doesn't know what it's talking about. You've got to listen to me. Think about what he did with Eve. He shows up to Eve. And he says to her, did God really say don't eat of the tree? So what is he doing? He's questioning her credibility as a witness. She heard it. And he's questioning her credibility. 
saying, I don't know that you heard that right. How many know the enemy likes to question your credibility? Like, did I really hear God say that? Raise your hand. You know what? I don't doubt that God speaks. I doubt that I hear him correctly. And the enemy knows that. He's on it all the time. I don't know that you heard that. Are you sure you heard that? And then he attacks God's witness. He says, here's the deal, sweetheart. Even if you did hear it correctly, here's what he's really meaning by that. He doesn't want you to be like him. So don't eat it. He knows if you eat of that fruit, you're going to come like him. So what is he doing? He's attacking the credibility of the witness. And he does the same thing in your life. You know that God's called you to do some great things. But, man, the enemy just like, are you sure? Did you hear that right? I'm not sure. Did God really say that? He'll even have you questioning the Bible. You'll read it right in Scripture, and you'll know that it's right or it's wrong. And what will happen? Are you sure that really means that? Does that really mean? He's always after attacking it. He's going after it. So our spirit knows what we're called to do. Our spirit knows that we're children of God, but his voice is not loud enough, and so it needs some support. It needs some backup. Somebody needs to call another witness. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up in our life. Number two, our spirit knows who we are. Number two, the Holy Spirit confirms who we are. So when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you accept him into your life and the Holy Spirit comes into you, suddenly there is now a majority against the enemy that's saying things over you. Now, not only is your spirit speaking it, but the Holy Spirit is joining with your spirit. And the Bible says in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established. So now the enemy knows he's really in trouble. So guess what he does? He's attacked your credibility as a witness. That spirit, you're not really hearing that. God didn't really say it. So now here's what he does. And I believe this has been one of the greatest things that the enemy has done in the church. Is he attacks the credibility of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to say, he's a bad witness. Holy Spirit is crazy. I mean, just look at Christian television. Right? They're wacko. They're insane. What God called them to do what? By faith? Continually attacking the credibility of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. But I want to tell you today my third point is this. The Holy Spirit is a credible witness. Remember we started this whole thing out by saying the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I want to say to you, the Holy Spirit is a credible witness. I may not be a credible witness. I mess up, but the Holy Spirit is. John chapter 16 and 13, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit says, when the Spirit of, come on, y'all. When the Spirit of comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. So He is a credible witness because He is the Spirit of Spirit of truth. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. How many of y'all are liars? Just raise your hand. Right now, by not raising your hand, you are a liar. How many are liars? Just raise your hand. You told, okay, put your hand. How many told a lie today? Just raise your hand. I like that. How you feeling? I'm doing good. Just raise your hand. Y'all know. 
How are things? Everything's great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, baby, you look good. <laughs> Kids, y'all are so precious. Come on, just raise your hand. How many told a lie today? But God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Y'all with me now? Titus 1 and 2, it's not on the screens, but it simply says this. God cannot lie. So the spirit of truth cannot tell a lie. So he is a credible witness. You can listen to him. For you folks that like theology, you should really love this. And for y'all that just love the Holy Spirit, you should love this. This should just get everybody. You can't attack his credibility because he is a truthful witness. So what do you call a witness that is not credible? Wait a minute. Before we go there, let's go back. Not only is he truthful, But Romans chapter 8 and 9, watch this now. Remember, we're talking about the Holy Spirit being a credible witness because he is the spirit of truth. Now watch this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature, but you are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of living in them do not belong to him at all. So you'll find it throughout the scripture. The Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of God. It's called the Spirit of Christ. So not only is he a spirit of truth, but he was there at the beginning. He ought to know what he's talking about. He was there at the beginning when everything was created. He's going to be there at the end when everything is over. He remembers what was spoken over you as a child. He remembers what was spoken over you yesterday. He is a credible witness. Y'all going to make me throw a podium like I did last week. He was there at Jesus' baptism. Think about that. I love that. Here's Jesus being baptized, and the Holy Spirit's like, I got to show up on this. Just The Bible says the heavens were ripped open, and the Holy Spirit just comes down. This is my boy. He was there at the crucifixion, Holy Spirit. He escaped when Jesus gave up the ghost, ah, released. He was there. He was there at the resurrection. The Bible says the Spirit raised Jesus up from the dead. So he is a credible witness. Not only is he a witness, he's also the judge and he's the jury. I hope this helps you on Thursday when the enemy starts attacking you again, saying you're not good enough, and they're going to come back and try to break in your house, and you're going to lose that job that you just got, and she doesn't, on and on and on. I hope you can remember, wait a minute, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now? What does he say about me? Me. You've sinned. You've done bad. I know what is the Holy Spirit saying about me. Your mom was depressed. Your daddy was an alcoholic. Come on, we can just go down What is the Holy Spirit speaking about me? So what do you call a witness that is not credible? Point number four, the Holy Spirit is an incredible witness. That's good. If I was T.D. Jakes, that'd be it. Y'all just be going crazy right now, just losing your mind. 
Or if I was Joel Osteen, y'all just be like giving your heart to the Lord right now. Just, but not me. I got to keep on preaching. As a matter of fact, it's, it doesn't just take one sermon for me. I got to do a whole, not even a series. I got to do a whole summer. Okay, such is the life of a pastor. Somebody say he is an incredible witness. When you say incredible, I looked it up. I looked up what is the opposite of credible. And I typed in my notes, uncredible. And pages just went red letter, just like, no. Underlined it wrong, 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 misspelled. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. If it's not credible, it's got to be uncredible, right? I went and looked online. You can't find it except in slang dictionaries. That's when it shows up uncredible, which is pretty much uncredible. The opposite of credible is incredible. In other words, it's too good to believe. So when the Holy Spirit begins to tell you, I am standing in, in, on the judge's stand, I'm standing on the witness stand, and I'm telling your spirit that you are a child of God. And you're looking at yourself, knowing how you've been living, and knowing your weaknesses, and knowing your failures. Here's what you can say. That is incredible. And you're exactly right. I love how this all ties back into what we've been talking about. That the Holy Spirit comforts. Is there anything more? Remember, we're talking today about what? The Holy Spirit does what? Oh, my goodness. We're just going to start having tattoo sessions just out in the lobby. And after church, we'll just tattoo things on you, just like confirms. Let me say it. Oh, just, we'll start using this to speak. I mean, it's there. Okay, here we go again. I don't mean to be smart, I or facetious. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to. But that was kind of mind-blowing. You got to think about it, right? <laughs> what are we talking about today? The Holy Spirit? Yes, good. And we talked about the past two Sundays. The first Sunday, we discussed that the Holy Spirit comforts. Now, let's tie the two together. Look at me. Now, get ready. Is there anything more comforting than confirmation? There is nothing more comforting than confirmation. You ready? You passed. Isn't that a comfort? How about this? You were right. Isn't that the most comforting thing in the world to get confirmation that you were right? How about this? She says yes. Come on, gentlemen. How about this? The test is negative. Or positive for some of you. Should I tell that story, Kristen? No, I probably shouldn't. She said, they won't like you if you tell it, so I'm not going to tell it. One day I'll tell you the story about the negative positive test. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done and one of the worst things I've ever done all at the same time. There's nothing more comforting than confirmation. You did it. It's official. Or how about this? You are a child of God. 
this morning I was, as Kristen was getting ready, I was reading over my notes to her. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I came down to the very end and she said, there's nothing more comforting than that. You are a child of God. I mean, just that's it. You are. You talk about confirmation. You're his baby, girl. He wants to watch out for you. He cares for you. What about convicting? The word convicting means to point to the truth. In other words, confirmation that it is correct. He proves with evidence that we are God's kids. You can't convict anybody without evidence. He convicts with evidence that we are God's children. Continually goes back and says, you are. John 5 and verse number 7 says this. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Everybody say the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Now let me tell you what this was. Those are the three things that Jesus gave up on the cross. He drained his blood. All we needed was one drop. One drop is all it would have taken. But he drained himself of all of his blood. And that wasn't enough. They pierced him in the side and what came out? Water, blood and water. And then Jesus said, into your hands I commend my. And he gave up the ghost. Those three things are the things that Jesus gave up on the cross And those are the three witnesses that continue to remind us who we are. And when the enemy says that you are not righteous, the blood of Jesus cries up and says, oh, yes, they are. Amen, amen, amen. And when the enemy says that you are not clean, the water screams out and says, oh, yes, he is. I've washed him clean. And when the enemy says that you are an orphan and that you are meant to be abused, the Holy Spirit stands up in agreement and says, Oh, no, they're a child of God. I stand as a witness of that. So look at your neighbor and just get a little Pentecostal right now. Come on, look at him. Clear your throat and just say this. It has been proven... In a court of law, you have been tried, and you have been convicted, and you have been sentenced to life. Abundant life, that is. Eternal life, that is. And the Holy Spirit says, Amen.